everyone doing this morning? Good? How many of you like those love song CDs? We have them after service if you want to buy them. I'm kidding. But y'all definitely saw a different side of us here at NCC. And that's the good thing about our church is we love to have fun, right? So hopefully you do too. Well, we are in a series called Sunday Playlist and uh, Pastor and did a great job kicking it off last week. Uh, he gave a disclaimer and I want to start off with the same disclaimer this morning is some of the songs that you're going to see here are not us saying, hey, go add this to your playlist, right? We're backing up every word in these songs. As a matter of fact, there are some messages and songs that we have on our playlist that sometimes we don't stop to think about. How is this affecting me, right? Because if it's going in, it's definitely going to come out in some way is what I've realized. And so we will be taking some songs that we don't necessarily agree with the message, but we can say, hey, what does the Bible have to say about this specific topic, right? But then there are other songs that I believe can almost start a, uh, a pattern of thinking where we can start saying, hey, well, what does God say about this? And I think today's song is a great example of that. Stevie Wonder wrote a song called I Just Called to Say I Love You. How many have heard that song before or you're familiar with it? Okay, cool. Y'all don't hate me, but I, had, I was not familiar with the song. I know Stevie Wonder's songs. Don't get, me, like, don't get me twisted. I know his songs, but for whatever reason, this song has missed my playlist, and I love it now. I definitely added it. But if you know anything about this song, what he's doing is it's about someone who's calling a person that they love, and they're saying, hey, I'm just calling to tell you that I love you. It's not a special holiday. It's not a special event. No strings attached. I'm just calling to tell you that I love you. Here's a fun fact about that song. In 1985, it won the Oscar for the best music original song, and it beat out a few songs that you may also be familiar with. Against All Odds, take a look at me now. Anybody know that song? It beat that song. It beat Footloose, you guys. It beat Let's Hear It for the Boy, and then Ghostbusters. Now, the interesting thing about when uh, Stevie Wonder won this Oscar for this song is all five of these nominees were number one hits on the Hot 100, and it's the only time that that's happened. Isn't that crazy? So there's a fun fact for you guys about this song I just called to say I love you. Hey, let's pray together to position our hearts to receive. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord. Uh, it is an honor to be in your house once again. And you are a God that's relational which means that you desire to speak to us today. God, your desire is not that we walk in and walk out the same way that we came in, but I believe that you're drawing us near to you. I believe that you're wanting to drop something in our hearts, God, that reminds us today of how much you love us. 
And so if there's anything that's getting in the way right now, because life can throw all kinds of curveballs and problems and issues and situations, God, that we could be sitting in a church service but still not focus on what it is that you're trying to say to us. God, we could be in a church service and we're distracted by everything we didn't do right this week. But we're not here because we've done everything right. We're here because of Jesus, Lord. And because of Jesus, we're in right position in a position to receive this morning. We thank you and we invite you into this place, Holy Spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen and amen. So the song I just called to say I love you is exactly about that. And as I was looking over this song and preparing for this message, it kind of took me down this pattern of asking myself, how would people define love if I were to ask people, what would you say about love? Because we know that there are all kinds of different definitions of love. The Bible even hints at four different types of love. You've got eros, which is a romantic sexual love. You've got storge, which is somebody say, woo, I don't know what that was about, but hopefully you're married. Uh, And if you are... Keep the fire alive. <laughs> You've got storge, storge, which is a familial love. That's the, the love that a mother has for a baby or siblings have for each other. You've got philia, which is a friendship love, the love that you have for a friend. And then agape, which is God's love. It's a love that he has for humanity and a love that we're called to emulate as followers of Jesus. So there's all kinds of different definitions of love. I was reading this article in Time Magazine, and it was titled, We Are Defining Love the Wrong Way. And this Jewish rabbi was talking about how the many families that he's worked with, and the many people that he's been around, what he's noticed is that most people define love in this way. It's an intense feeling, a deep affection. So it's about what I feel like doing. But for those of you that have been married a few years, you know how dangerous that can be, right? Because there are moments where you wake up and you don't feel like doing certain things, right? You don't feel like serving your spouse. You don't feel like loving them the way that Jesus calls us to love. And this is the danger of the message that our culture preaches, you guys, especially you young people. Listen up. Our culture tells us to follow our feelings, to follow our heart, but our feelings will mislead us many times. And so what do we do as followers of Jesus? What we do is we go to the word of God and we say, what is your definition on this this topic right here? What is your definition when it comes to finances, Lord? Lord, what is your definition of marriage? What is your definition of love? Now, before we go any further, I do want to make something clear. I know that in a room full of people like the one that we have today, some of you struggle with Uh, defining what love is because the people that should have loved you growing up did the opposite. Some of you are, are still caught up on, hey, this person I was married to was supposed to love me, but they didn't do that. And so some of you have gone so, so far away from the definition of what true love is that your heart has become hardened. And so when you hear a message like this, you're immediately shutting it away and saying, I don't want anything to do with it. But I'm going to ask you to do me a favor this morning. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm not giving you even my perspective and saying that's what you have to go off of. I encourage you to just open up your heart to receive what the word says about what true love is. Can we do that? Awesome. So what does the Bible say about love and how does Jesus define love? You can go back and read this. 1 Corinthians 13 is something that you may want to take a note of and in your own quiet time, go read it does a great 
uh, job at defining what love is. But today I want to highlight Luke chapter 6, which is one of the more difficult topics or one of the more difficult passages of how Jesus defines love. So if you can open up your Bibles, whether it's on your phone, you can read it on the screen. But follow along with me. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, this is what Jesus starts off with. He says, but to you who are listening, I say. Maybe you've heard Jesus say in other parts of the Bible, if you let those who have ears, let them hear. What he's saying is if you're here to receive something and you're here to to just not walk away, away the same, pay attention. He says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. I've already lost some of you right now by just reading that. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And I, and I love to take a verse and start to define words because when I read such a difficult verse like this, I'm like, well, maybe it's trying to say something else, right? Maybe what it means when it says enemy, it's not really what I think it's saying, but this is what enemy is translated as in this verse. An enemy is the one who hates, the one who curses you, the one who mistreats you, the one who attacks, and the one who has taken advantage of you. Love them. Do good for the ones that hate you. Don't tune me out yet. Stay engaged. Here's what Jesus is saying. You know that person at work that doesn't like you, makes your job difficult? Guess what I'm asking you to do? Love them. You know that person that hurt you and walked out on you? Guess what I'm asking you to do? Love them. You know that person that took advantage of you and it wasn't fair, but they hurt you so bad. Love them. Oh, but wait, there's more. It gets better. And why is there more? Because Jesus then defines the kind of love that we're called to show our enemies. It's almost like Jesus knew that we were going to say, oh, I'll love them, but I'm going to do it my way. And what is our way, you guys? What is our way of loving people? It's when I feel like it. I'll love people when I feel like it. It's, I'll say good morning to that annoying coworker that makes my job impossible, but that's as far as it will go. Don't ask for anything else. It's, I'll tolerate them, but I don't, I won't ask for, I won't give anything above that. It's, I'll give a sympathy smile when I'm around that family member or that person, but nothing above that. In other words, I'm going to choose how I love and who I love. Now, to give you some context, when Jesus was delivering this message to the Israelites, it was in a time when Rome was oppressing them. And Pastor Aaron and I were having this conversation, and he was sharing with me that in that time, Rome, Rome was oppressing the Israelites so much so financially that 75 to 85% was what was due to, to Rome from the Israelites for taxes. And some of y'all complain for the taxes that you're paying right now, Right? 75 to 85%, you guys. So what did that do? That brought Rome down to a level of poverty they couldn't get out of. If that wasn't bad enough, crucifixion was very common in that time. If you broke a Roman law that they didn't like, you better believe it wasn't uncommon for you to walk down a road and see a family member hanging there crucified. As Rome's way of saying, we run this place and you better do things our way. It wasn't uncommon for that to happen. If that wasn't bad enough, they would go into towns and burn people's businesses just as a sign to say, we're in control. 
So I want you to think as Jesus is telling them to love their enemies and to do good for those that hate them, what they were thinking. I can imagine that they looked up and they saw the Roman soldier who had killed their family member standing right there. Or I can imagine them looking up and seeing the Roman soldier who collected taxes from them, right? And they're thinking, you're the reason why I'm in poverty and I can't get out of this situation. I can imagine that they looked up and they thought, this is the reason why my business was burned, is that person is standing right there and you're asking me to love them? This is what you're asking me, Jesus? And it's not just any type of love. Jesus calls us to show agape love to the people who don't like us and have hurt us. Some of you are like, man, good thing I don't know what agape love is. I'll keep doing things my way. Not so fast. This is what agape love is. It's to seek someone else's welfare, even if to do so requires a sacrifice. I don't know about you guys, but if you're anything like me, I'm like, you can miss me with that. Ain't no way that I can do this. Some of you are in this place right now, and as I'm reading this verse, you're thinking, that's different because you don't know what this person did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know how they abuse me. You don't know how they've taken advantage of me. You don't know how they talk to me. You don't know how they treat me. Don't check out yet. See, I know that this makes no sense, and, and I struggle with reading this and wanting to interpret in a different way, but it's very, very clear what Jesus was saying. Let's keep reading. I promise you we're going somewhere. It says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. There's the golden rule that is very famous, right? Some of you are saying, you're not making this any better, Pastor AC. Let's keep reading. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect to repay you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. This is the point that Jesus was trying to drive to right here. Is how is the love that we're showing making us any different from the rest of the world? People who don't follow Jesus already love how we currently love many times. What does that look like? Hey, I'll love those who do what I want. But if they don't do what I want, you better not expect anything from me. Or how about this? I'll love people who are like me. They have my political views. So, hey, are you a Republican? Great. I'm going to love you. But if you tell me you're a Democrat or vice versa or libertarian, whatever it is, if you don't have my political views, I won't love you. Yeah, I know it's getting kind of hot in here. If you dress like me, I'll love you. But if I don't like the way you dress, don't expect anything from me. If you live like me and you view life like me, then I'll love you. Or maybe I'll love people who can give me something in return. But if you can't give anything back from me and I can't gain from this relationship, get away from me. Or I'll only love people who don't hurt me. He says, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Can we be honest? This is hard. 
this is difficult. Let me make it even more clear if that's not hot enough for you guys. I was reading a commentary. N.T. Wright said this. Think of the best thing that you can do for the worst person and go ahead and do it. Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and do it for them. Think of people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. Can you see how as Jesus followers, this kind of love helps us to stand out from the rest of the world? Because that's not the way the world works, right? And if you're feeling the weight right now, let me tell you, I felt it too. There are parts of the Bible that are so challenging that I want to skip over them. Am I the only one? This is one of them right here. But what I realized is that those feelings that we're feeling right now of just saying, this is impossible, there's no way that I could ever get myself to do that. Jesus is asking something of me that's unrealistic. This is exactly where he wants us. Here's why. Because what Jesus calls us to do can only be done with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural work in our hearts. Meaning that we cannot do this alone. To be quite honest with you, I have no motivation or desire without the work of Jesus in my life to love people like he does. I don't wake up in the morning wanting to love people like that. My natural instinct is to remind myself of what they did to me and then think, how can I get them back? That's my natural instinct. So when I say supernatural, it means it's above me. It's a work from him and only him. And it's something that I go to him on a daily basis and say, I know what I want to do, but what is it that you're calling me to do? And once you clarify that for me, Jesus, help me, Holy Spirit, because I can't do it on my own. Can we be honest this morning? See, what I desire is revenge. What I desire is to one day see them feel the pain that I felt. What I desire is that they would hurt and cry like I have many times. That's what I desire. Now, I want to give a disclaimer before we go any further. This is not Jesus preaching, let the abuser keep abusing you and it's okay. That's not what he's saying. This is not him saying, let the thief keep stealing from you and that's okay. Or the thought of, because you're a Christian, you allow people to do evil against you. That's not what he's saying. We have to take this portion of scripture just like anything else and read the whole Bible and use wisdom and really understand what is the Bible saying about this topic. So if you're in an abusive relationship right now, this is not Jesus saying it's okay. I want to make that clear. Here's what he's advocating, though. He's advocating the overcoming of evil with good, not the practice of evil against good. That's what he's pushing for here. What Jesus was getting to is the root of why and, uh, why and how most of us love. Here's how most of us love. I'll only love you if they love me back. I'll only give if it's given to me back. I'll serve others only if they serve me back. Can you see how even our love is rooted in selfishness many times? But what is the real reason as to why Jesus is asking us to love like this? So that you feel better? No. So that I can call myself a good person? No. So that I can check off my list of holy things to do daily? No. The one reason why he calls us to love like this is simple yet very powerful. Here it is. This is how God loves us. And when we show this love, we're displaying the love that we've been showing ourselves. 
I love what Bob Goff says in a book that he wrote, author Bob Goff. He says, grace seems unfair until we're the ones that are in need of it. Oh, I, I, I don't like grace shown to other people, but I want that grace shown to me. I have a problem with loving people that way, but God, can you love me that way? Let me prove to you that this is the kind of love that he's showing us. 1 John 4.10 says this, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So let's not pretend like the reason God loved us is because we took the first step. No, he drew us near to him. And he said, even in the middle of your mess, even in the middle of your sin, even in the middle of everything that you're doing right now, I still love you. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, listen to that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wasn't waiting for us to have it all together. He says, I will make the first step. That's love. So we're called to show the same kind of love that he's showing us. See, God doesn't love us because we do everything right, you guys. He loves us because we're his children. And this right here, listen to me, church, especially those of you that have been following Jesus for quite some time. This is why we can't forget what he brought us out of. This is why we can't forget what he saved us from. This is why we can't forget that the life we were living before Jesus was everything but pleasant. How messed up we were, how we were dead in our transgressions, how we had no purpose, how we were existing but not living, how we were breathing but not living. Why? Because when we remind ourselves of what he brought us out of, then it gives us the motivation to go say, I want to show the same type of love to others. So when I show up to work on a Monday morning and that same annoying coworker is still there, I remind myself, God, help me to display the love that you've shown me. Remind myself of what, remind me of what you took me out of, God. How I felt like there was no hope. And I was to my wit's end, God. And some of you thought about committing suicide. Some of you thought, my life is done. And he grabbed you and he's like, no, there's still a purpose for your life. I'm not asking you for, ha- for you to have it all together. I will use you if you would just come to me. I've got everything that you need right here. And when we remind ourselves of that, then now I go into the world saying, God, not because it's fair, not because it's right what they've done to me, but this is how you've loved me. Our ability to love And share with an agape love comes from reminding ourselves of how he loves us with an agape love. Agape, sorry. Some of you uh, know Debbie and I's story. We we met when we were 14 and 15. That's when we actually started dating. We're 38 years old now. Some of you are like, that was just last year. No, it was a few years ago. And I share this because I've been able to reflect on a lot that has happened and I do want to give this disclaimer that, that God has restored my relationship with my father-in-law. But whenever we met, for whatever reason, he just didn't like me. And we would bump heads all the time. And so over the years of me dating Debbie, the tension was building up. And when we got married, the tension was building up. And when we were in our marriage, the tension was building up. One day he calls me, and he just didn't have the right tone. It must have been a bad day for him, and it must have been a bad day for me. But basically what it came down to is I said, if you're going to talk to me like that, I don't want anything to do with you, and I hung up. It was an emotional decision that instantly when I made it, I knew, I was like, that was not right. 
This is not pre-Jesus Aaron. This is Jesus, after Jesus Aaron, who's serving in the church Aaron. To show you that he's still working on us. And so Debbie was in the next room, and she walks in, and she's like, what happened? And I said, if your dad is at any family gathering, I want nothing to do with him. And I kept my word. There were a few months that there was a birthday party or there was something where the family was getting together and and they would go, but I would just stay behind. And I'll never forget, NCC was having a worship night one, one night and I walk in and I'm like, man, I'm so ready to worship God. It's been a hard week. I'm ready. And I lift my hands. I'm singing and I just feel like I couldn't connect. I'm like, what is off? Like something is off here. What's going on, God? And so I would try again and I was like, if I don't figure out what's going on right now, what's going to happen is I'm going to go through this whole worship service and, and nothing was different. Nothing has changed in me. And so I called out to the Lord and I was like, look, I don't know what's going on, but can you show me? And, and I felt the Lord say, you need to call your father-in-law and ask him for forgiveness. You can imagine the stuff that was coming through my head. But he did this to me. And he was unfair. And again, it's not all on him because now I look back and I had something to do with it too. And then I start talking to God, because you know how we make packs? We're like, well, can I just do it after, Lord? And he's like, no, you need to do it right now. So in the middle of the worship service, I walk out, I grab my phone, my heart's beating fast, my palms are sweaty, right? Because I don't know how he's going to respond. I dial and my arms are shaking like this, the phone's ringing, and I'm praying, God, let it go to voicemail so that I can just leave him the most pleasant voicemail and say, hey, man, I forgive you, I love you, Jesus loves you, amen, bye. You know that didn't happen. He answers, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? We hadn't talked in a while, so you know it was awkward. I'm like, look, man, I just want to get straight to the point. I was like, if I've ever offended you or if I've done anything to hurt you, like, I want to ask you for forgiveness. And to my surprise, what happened is he was like, hey, don't worry about it. He's like, we both have stuff to work on. And God's given me the opportunity since then to be able to serve them and show them that, hey, I want to show you the love of Jesus. And I felt in that moment like something was lifted. Why am I sharing this with you guys? Because I believe that there are some of you in this place right now, the reason that there is something blocking you is because you're holding grudges and you're holding resentment and there's unforgiveness in your heart. And let me make it clear, there's nothing that can separate you from his love, but there are moments where something can block us from receiving his love. I know that what they did to you wasn't right. And I know that you can justify, right, and say, well, I'm the one that's the victim here. I get that. But God is calling us to say, Lord, I release it to you. Change my heart. I don't want anything to block what you want to do in my life. I think one of the saddest things is to be able to see people that are older now in age, and they're still holding on to bitterness and grudges. And you can see it so clearly. It weighs down on them physically. You can see that there's a disconnection there. They're bitter and they're angry against the world. And it doesn't matter if you say good morning to them. They're like, what's good about this morning? My bad, bro. Don't let that be you. Again, I want to remind you that the ability to love and to forgive people is not something that you can do on your own. It's you surrendering to him and saying, Lord, help me. Because you know I can't do this on my own. But this is the kind of love that he's calling us to show others. Now I want to take the last few minutes to remind you of the love that he has for you.
The song says, I just call to tell you I love you. And, and I believe in some way God is saying, I'm just wanting to remind you today of how much I love you. So I want you to hear what he has to say this morning. I love you not because you did all things right this week. I'm very much aware of what you did this week. I love you not because you're in church today. I love you even when you're not in church, the Lord says. I love you because I've created you to be loved by me. Because this is how I love. My love is extravagant. I love you generously. It's a crazy love. And just as a side note, I'm tired of people categorizing our God, Yahweh, with other gods. We don't serve the same God because no other God loves like Yahweh does. It's not about what you can do for him. It's what he's done for you. This is the truth that changed my life, is that it wasn't about what I could do for him. It's what he had done for me, and it's what continues to drive me daily to love others. I couldn't earn his love. I was messed up, and he took me in. I remember even to this day in the middle of a broken heart when he said to me, and I felt him say to me, even if no one else wants you, I will always take you in. This changed my life. He gave his only son, Jesus, for me and for you. And my desire to change and to be better is not to impress God. My motivation for going out and doing good is not to earn his love. I'm already loved. I'm already approved because of Jesus and what he did on that cross. When I take in that truth and I accept that truth, then I live out of that place. I go into my workplace with that mindset. I go into the grocery store with that mindset. I go into difficult situations with that mindset. It's to love others out of that place because he first loved me. So I want to leave you with some action steps this morning. Number one, I want to encourage you to do this, is to put yourself in a place where you receive his love. The question that I have for you today is, have you received his love, or are you still trying to work for it? Are you trying to get to a certain church attendance, and then you turn in your record and say, God, can you love me now? Are you trying to read through the whole Bible, and then you can say, Lord, I read from Genesis to Revelation, can you love me now? Are you trying to get to a point where you say, now I'm all put together. God, do you love me now? He says, I wasn't waiting for all of that. I died for you even before you took any right step. But have you received his love? The second thing I want to leave you as an action step is release his love. Pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who do you need to forgive? Who do we need to love with an agape love? Is it a coworker that makes your life so difficult? And some of y'all smile when I say that because you know who they are. Is it a family member who's hurt you, abused you? Is it an ex-spouse who you're still holding on grudges and resentment for and it's blocking you? Is it a girlfriend or a boyfriend who broke your heart and you go back to those moments and, and every time that you're, you're having a good day, you think about those memories and it just ruins everything? Is it someone who's making it difficult for you to just do life? Who do you need to love with an agape love? And receive the strength of the Holy Spirit to forgive them. As I close, I want to share this with you guys. This is not a Christian cliche type of message. This is not a, let's pray one prayer and it's going to fix it all. But it is this. 
it is this thought is that every single day I go to the Lord and I say, Holy Spirit, help me today. I need you today. If I'm going to show love to others, I need you today, God. If I'm going to release your love and, and forgive others, God, I need you. I cannot do it without you. It's reminding ourselves of how he loves us so that the world may see in us a real love and be drawn to him. Let me pray with you guys if you can bow your heads and close your eyes. And I believe that there are people right now in this place or you're joining us online and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You come to church and maybe you've read the Bible, but the Bible says that it's about making him Lord, meaning that you give him full control of everything. And maybe you've been around church or you've heard this word salvation, right? to be saved, and, and sometimes I apologize, the church in general, not just NCC, I think we do a great job here, to be honest, but the church in general, we don't tell you what you're being saved from, but can I take a few minutes to just lay it out for you? The Bible says that God is a holy God, meaning he's blameless and he has no sin. There's no convincing that's needed for us to know that we are sinful, and we've broken the law, and we've missed the mark, and, and the guilt and the shame that comes with what we do, it's a reminder that, man, I keep messing up. And so that sin that, 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 that we see on a daily basis, it's our sinful nature. That's what separated us from a holy God and us who are not holy without him. And so God couldn't stand the separation, and so what he did is he sent his son Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice, to pay the penalty for our sins, because what we were destined for is death. We were destined for eternal separation from him. Why? Because he's a holy God. And Jesus steps in, in our place, and he says, I will pay the price. So listen to me. The Bible says that when we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's how we're saved. It's a free gift. We're saved by grace through faith, meaning this, by grace, it's a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Just receive it. And by faith, through faith is this, is that I put all my faith in believing and trusting that what Jesus did is enough to pay for every sin I've committed and every sin I will commit. And so if in this moment you're in that place and you're saying, I know that I don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're about to pray a prayer together. And I believe with everything in me that not only will your life change, but your eternal destination will change. Because that's what the word of God says. So with everything, everyone joining me, can you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender it to you. I put my faith in you, Jesus. All the sins that I've committed are being forgiven right now. Change my heart. And I pray that you help me to live for you. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we give it up for those that are making that decision today for the first time? This is a huge deal. I know that sometimes we can hear people praying this prayer and like, that's awesome, that's great. But one day, those of us that follow Jesus, when we get into heaven, we're going to see these people there with us. And life transformation happens here on earth as well. So if you're online or you're in person, I want to encourage you to take this next step if you just prayed that prayer. We've got a great class that's called Connect Track. 
And it starts here at the beginning of September, which is next week, I believe. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, know more about who Jesus is, what salvation is, and what we believe here at NCC, go to newcommunity.co forward slash connect track and sign up. One more thing. Everybody grab the cards that are in your chair right now. There's a white card that says the one. Maybe you sat on it. So reach out under and pull it out. And the reason that it says the one is the same love that we just talked about today that you were just introduced to maybe for the first time or you were reminded. We're going to write names of people that we want them to experience this love. See, it would be selfish for us to say, well, I'm loved by God, but forget everybody else. All we're asking you to do is just write their name or names if people come to mind. It could be coworkers, it could be the cashier at your store, it could be a family member, it could be an ex-spouse, it could be whoever. Write their names on these cards and what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to pray right now and believe that Jesus will draw them near to him. So go ahead and take some time and write those names down. Some of you are like, I'm going to write my own name down, I'm that one, right? As you're writing those names, let me pray with you. Father, I thank you this morning, God, and we lift up these names that are written on these cards, Lord. God, it's not about the card, but it's about the name. You know them, Father. You know these people, God. The Bible says that you know the numbers of hairs on our head, God, meaning that you know us to the smallest detail. So you know exactly what these people are going through. You know exactly what they need. And I pray, God, that whether it's through us or other reminders that you draw them near to you to show them how much you love them, God. And let that love transform their lives the way it's transformed ours. God, we're believing, Jesus, that we will see real-life transformation before our eyes, God, in these people's lives. We thank you, Father, and we ask this in your precious and mighty name. Amen. In fact, here's just No April rain, no flowers bloom, no wedding Saturday within the month of June, but what Just call to say